Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 038. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, when it comes to our plans, how do we know which way is up? How do we know our plans are in line with that good plan we keep hearing God has for us? Here's the good news. The Bible gives us a few checks on that so we can experience abundant life. Let's check them out. When I grow up, I want to be, probably a question many of you have asked at some point in your life. Maybe even some of you are asking it still today. When I finally get around to growing up, what do I want to do? All of us have plans, have dreams. Maybe some that we've gotten the chance to fulfill. Maybe some that still linger in the undone box of our lives. Even if they aren't on the scale of entirely changing the direction of our lives, as asking yourself what you want to be when you grow up can do. So when it comes to our plans, our dreams, how do we know which way is up? How do we know that our goals, our dreams, line up with how God designed us and designed the world to be? As we had opened up this series, I said that wisdom was understanding how God designed the world to work and then getting our lives to kind of line up with that. Well, that can be extra difficult when it comes to things that, that are off in the future. But the good thing is, Solomon gives us something to hang on to, something to grasp, to try to break this code a little bit, if you will, about how wisdom works with things that are far off, our plans, our goals, our dreams. Let's check it out. Out of Proverbs 16. This is the first three verses. Solomon says, The plans of the mind belong to mortals, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All one's ways may be pure in one's own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, thank you always for your word. Help us to be transformed by it through the power of your Spirit. Amen. As I said, sometimes when we think about wisdom when it comes to the things of the future, it can be a bit difficult because so many situations that we may think of, we can't really point to book, chapter, and verse that gives us the answer for whatever it is that we're concerned about. Do I take job A or job B? The Bible doesn't say do I volunteer at place C or D? Again, the Bible doesn't say. And that can make it difficult, make it frustrating. But the good thing is, the Bible and this passage that we read, just these couple of verses, give us some checks, if you will, some sounding boards for the ideas that are in our head, the dreams that are in our heart. And they may be a bit general. You know, they don't get super situation-specific. But they at least give us something to hang on to, something to check what's in our head and what's in our heart against. So go through a couple of these. The first check that we can have with our plans, check the scripture. Now I said that so many situations do not have a very clear book, chapter, verse of here's the answer, is this a part of God's plan or not? But the fact is, some things do. Some things are really clear. Does God want me to pray about this? 
Well, that is one. So many people will try and do this when it comes to God's will that you can do the flipping point strategy. Where you close your eyes, flip your Bible to a random page, drop your finger, and you'll probably land on something that says a version of, yes, you should probably pray about this. One time it might work. Does God want me to rob a bank? Well, I'm sure I could probably do the same kind of strategy and come up with a dozen book chapter verses that say, "Mm, yeah, no. Now, I realize I may be using some extreme examples here. And this may be kiddie pool faith kind of stuff. But let's get the simple stuff out of the way. Because the fact is, if we don't check our plans, our goals, our dreams against Scripture, left to our own devices, we can take just about anything, biblical or unbiblical, and rationalize it to sound like it's part of God's plan. People can be really creative in how they can pull that off. But here's the fact. God's will, for your plans, for your desires, for your dreams, God's will will never contradict Scripture. Hear that through everything that I say today. And the nice, neat thing is, I didn't design it this way, but it just sort of worked out because God must have designed it this way. This idea of wisdom in the sense, our plans, is not really just the finale of our wisdom series in, in the book of Proverbs, but is actually kind of a prelude to the next series that we're going to start up in two weeks, where we dive deep in the, into the subject of hearing God's voice in the many ways that God speaks. A study called Whisper. So hear, I mean, hear that idea, that it, if God is the one who wrote Scripture, as Orthodox Christianity will say God did, if God has that high a view of Scripture then to understand God's plans, Scripture is a pretty good place for us to start. Another check that we can have when it comes to figuring out how our plans line up with what God would want. Check your place. This comes out of verse 1, I believe. The plans of the mind belong to mortals, belong to people, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So we can rightly have plans, desires, goals for the future, But ultimately, God gets the final approval. God has veto rights. Let's play it out in a way that this kind of ongoing conversation that Andrew and I often have. We'll be on our way to his karate lesson, and he will say, Dad, if I do really well at karate today, do I get to choose what we have for dinner? And he's often got his mind made up. He knows what he wants. Pizza. And he will oftentimes tell me as though I don't know what he's going to tell me. But then he'll get to class, and he'll work really hard, and he'll hope that when we're walking back to the car, I'll say, Andrew, you did great, so that he can get to vote on what we have for, for dinner. Now, I let him have some input, and sometimes I'll go with his plan, with his desire, with his recommendation. But the truth is, ultimately, I still maintain veto power. I can still trump what he says if he requests pizza for the fifth day in a row. Ice cream is a close second on that. Now, is that a reason that, got, that Andrew, does that kind of give him license to not work hard at his karate lesson? Does that give him a reason to not want to have input, knowing that I still have veto power, whatever it is that he might say? No. He still works hard. But I still, as dad, hopefully know a little bit about what's good for him and what's good for his 
health and his body long term. So how do we pair this with the idea that God is in control? That we're, you know, we're working hard and we're having desires that are a good thing. You know, God gives us desires. That's having a desire, having a plan is not a bad thing. But how, does that, how do we couple that with the idea that God does have veto power over them? Well, I'll give you an example. As I was in my first year of seminary, and, and seminary is a long process, so you get a lot of time to kind of reflect on some of these ideas. And I asked another pastor, I said, how do I know, you know, for all of this process I'm going to go through, how do I know that this is what God is really calling me to do? Because it's quite an investment to be able to do. And he told me, and I still hang on to this advice, he said, remind yourself and check yourself with this. At this moment, this is what I believe God is calling me to do. When I was finishing up college, I believed, honestly, that my calling was to go into the technical field, to go into technology. It was a combination of, of understanding where my skills were, understanding where the jobs were, understanding the people that were around me that could teach me and help me grow in that field. I didn't know that five or six years down the road, God was going to kind of make a major switch turn on me and send me off to seminary. But I knew, as of right now, I feel called to this field. And so my job was to pour myself into that, to be the best technician that I could, the best technology expert that I could. And God would, along the way, veto some jobs and some plans that I had because he knew better was going to be down the road. But we see a version of this in the first part of verse 3. It says, commit your work to the Lord. If you get the sense, kind of running through all these checks, that this is what God's calling you to right now, be faithful to that. And if God has to pull a major turn on you at some point down the road, then you deal with it then. But as of right now, stay faithful to what you believe God is calling you to. Now we're going to step it up one more step. Another check. Check your will. Are you willing to say, and I mean will by your plans and your desires, are you willing to say, God, here are my plans. Here are my goals. Here are my desires. And here's where we step it up a notch. Are you also willing to say, God, veto these if needed? Ultimate example of this. Little story comes right about Good Friday in the Bible, where Jesus is praying. One of those spots you could drop your finger on, and you'll definitely hear the idea of pray about this. And Jesus is praying one-on-one with his Father. He says, Father, if there is any other way to do this salvation story, let's do it that way. If I can get this job done without going to a cross, I vote for that. Any other way, God, let's do it. Take this cup from me, is the language he uses. But he answers that question that I just posed. He says, God, that's my will. That's my desire. That's, I'm sweating blood over this. Please let it go the way I want. But veto it if necessary. Not my will, but your will be done. That's a brave, brave, almost crazy prayer to pray. Because look where it ends Jesus up. 24 hours later. He prays that prayer from the Garden of Gethsemane 24 hours before he's executed. But ultimately, look where that prayer ended up. That 
anybody who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ can have a relationship with God. God vetoed Jesus' desire to be free of the cross. But he knew so much more good, so much better was on the other side. I'll give you an example from my own life. In, in one of those jobs that God decided to veto for me, it was a job, as I was well into my career as in the tech field, it was a dream technical job. I mean, it would have doubled, if not eventually tripled, my salary of what I was making in the other projects I was working on. I would have gotten the chance to work with technology far beyond anything I had gotten to touch so far. And my direct supervisor would have been a man that I click with and work with better than probably any other person on this planet. And it came down to two of us. I was in the finals, if you will. And on paper, I utterly destroyed the other guy. Guess what? The other guy got the job. I wanted that job, and God vetoed it. And I honestly believe God knew five, six years down the road, seminary is coming. I didn't know that at the time. And God knew, knowing my humanness, that it would have been awfully hard to leave that job to go to seminary. Too tempting to stay. Too tempting to say, to pray, God, my will over yours. You want me in seminary? No, I like this too much. You know what that is? That's idolatry. We think of the idea of idolatry of, you know, kneeling before a golden calf or, or something crazy obvious like that. But praying my will over yours is putting something other than God as more important than God. Jonah does this. When God gives him a mission, he says, I want you to take the good news to the Ninevites people that Jonah hated. And Jonah said, my will is that the Ninevites can burn in hell. I don't want anything to do with giving them a salvation story. So I'm going to go on the other side of the world and hang out over there. Well, God gave Jonah a pretty serious timeout to rethink and reorder his priorities. My will before God's bad place to be. Another check. Check your heart. This comes out of verse 2. All one's ways may be pure in one's own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. It comes down to the heart is biased. It's really what it boils down to. And I'll go back to that question I had, I had before. Can we honestly say, God, here are my plans. Here are my desires, my goals. And if you ask yourself that question and you're honest about it and you say, no, I really can't, or you say yes, but it's very, very timid, like, I guess so. Then ask yourself this question. But ask yourself, what is it that's so captivating about my will, my desire, the plan that I have, that I want to do that over God's will? What's so awesome about what I have thought up that the most creative being in the universe can't think of something better for me? Now, I want you to get this, because I, I know these are some hard, bold questions to ask yourself. So if you are willing to ask this kind of question and to examine your heart, to, to check your heart this way, then get this. Your heart is soft enough that God can grow you through this. Okay? This is not a time of you know, laying on all the shame and all the guilt you possibly can so that you're in this pit of despair because you're not a perfect Christian. None of us are. 
Okay, we're all works in progress. And here's something that can help us out with that. Because, again, our heart is biased. It doesn't take a lot of deep thinking to realize how that works out. But find somebody who you trust, who you know can speak truth with a whole lot of grace, and ask them this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And again, be a bit discerning about who you ask this question to, because you want somebody who will tell you the truth, but somebody who can share that truth with love and with the grace that God gives. And whatever kind of feedback you get out of that, use that as a way to be able to grow. Last check that I'll give you. And it comes a little bit outside of the passage that we had for today. But check your relationship with God. This becomes really critical anytime that we're dealing with sort of nebulous subjects like God's will, you know, desires for the future, stuff where there is not book, chapter, and verse to point you to the answer. I was listening to Caleb yesterday, and there was a pastor who was talking about this idea of God's will and, and hearing God and stuff like that. And he's like, I've tried to discern it. I've tried to follow God's will as best I could. And he says, I got it wrong so many times He's like, I ate so much humble pie, I could open a bakery. And he said, you know what? Sometimes we want it to be so easy. We want it to be, God, if there's a door I need to walk through, I need like the hallelujah chorus to start singing through this door so I know where to go. If I need a door shut, I need it slammed shut and deadbolted 15 times so I know not to go there. But this pastor said, sometimes God's will can be hard. Let's just call it what it is, but with reason. And we're going to really dive into this in our next study. Sometimes God will speak in a whisper. Because you ever notice when somebody talks in a whisper, you have to get really close to them to hear. You can't hear what they're saying from far away. And ultimately, that's what God desires. Relationship. Us being closer to him. And if he has to force us to get close in order to develop that relationship, God says, all right, I'll do that. So here's my next step for you this week. If you've got something in your life that, you know, a plan, a desire, a, a crossroad that you're at, pray this prayer as you, as you kind of try and discern which way you're meant to go. God, what is your will for this scenario? Now, I know that sounds really, really basic, and it is. But there's a part, part two to this, that after you pray, Stop talking. Let God answer. Let that relationship that God desires so much, that God offers us so much, let it be a two-way thing. That's not just all us spewing words at God, but that God can actually speak back to us, that God can answer us back. Because James says that if we, do, if we lack wisdom, if we lack the knowledge of what we're supposed to do in a certain situation, ask, and he will give it. I mean, he answered the prayer of generations for a Savior that had prayed for a Savior by sending his Son at the right time and the right place. How much more will he answer your prayers for knowing which way to go to have that abundant life that God designed and desires for you? Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, we start up a new worship series on hearing God's voice based on Mark Batterson's book, Whisper. 
We start off by looking at what it's like to hear God when God isn't using an outside voice. Find out more next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.